All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. And welcome to the Photo Work Podcast, the talky and touchy feely version of my book, Photo Work 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. I'm Sasha Wolf, recording today from my old haunt up at the Bearsville Theater Compound in Woodstock, New York. So, big thanks to Lizzie Vaughn for once again giving me a home away from home in which to record. I am grateful. I love it here. Um, And I'm in a new space, and it's fantastic. So it's great to be back, and we'll get into that. But first, let me bring on board a man who needs no introduction, the man of my dreams, really, if I'm being honest. (laughs) They're anxiety dreams. (laughs) 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 But, But they are dreams. Nonetheless, (laughs) Nonetheless, <laughs> and it counts. <laughs> it counts. Of course, it counts. It's nice to know you're thought about. <laughs> yeah, all the time. I'm lying there thinking, half awake, half half asleep, thinking, "Oh my God, did Michael get me Alex Oath's phone number? How am I going to talk to him? Um, have we been in touch with Wendy Redstar yet? Have we shipped some of equipment? those answers? Are yes. Some of those answers are no. <laughs> yep 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 it's mr hiatus himself no it's not he took no time off he took no time off michael chauvin dalton hello michael hey welcome back thank you well it's great to be together again i mean of course We've been working on the podcast the whole time, but um, mm-hmm. but this is our first intro in a while, and we always enjoy our little goofball sessions together. Yes. So, so how you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Uh, semester's over, you know. Got a little, and except for a graduation, which is always fun to Mazel go to. Tov. Thank you. And yeah, so uh, I have a little more time, which is. Good for us. Yeah, very good for us. We've got a lot of great guests coming up. One of them we've already recorded, Ron Jude, and that will be the next episode. It's actually funny Mm -hmm. because, well, two things about this episode with Alec that I want to mention. One is that it's a little shorter than a lot of other episodes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's the irony there because I had so much to talk to Alec about. But so don't send uh, it's don't it's jam packed. So don't, 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 short right. doesn't mean yeah. Right, short, <laughs> low on content. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Not low on content. But what happened was they're renovating the apartment below mine, and so even though I had an arrangement with them to not work while I was talking to Alec. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But I think the moment I shut the door, they were like, "Yeah, right." So. <laughs> So we had to keep stopping, and at a certain point, we just ran out of the lot of time we both had, and we had put aside quite a bit of time, but that's how bad the construction stopping and starting was, which, of course, was an editing nightmare for you, but you did a great job. Thank you. Yeah, it was less like construction and more like there were torturing walls. Well, they were. They were using a jackhammer. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. So everything in my apartment was shaking. Mm. But anyway, it's yeah. it, it's a really good episode. And the other thing I just want to say that is so funny to me is that because I recorded Ron and Alec back to back, you all know that we start with bios. And there's two different people usually give two different types of bios. One is the bio that sort of launches into... It launches into sort of topics about their work, and it gets us right into the conversation. And the others sort of were like, that's how I wound up a photographer, the end, and then I start sort of asking (laughs) questions. (laughs) Alec was – Ron was the extreme version of the first answer, and Alec – was the extreme version of the second. Alex was the shortest bio we've ever had. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I was a little caught off guard. I was like, oh, it's time for me to ask a question. Yikes. <laughs> Usually you go get a cup of tea. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I had to run back in the room when I realized that. 
Anyway. And Ron's bio is is fantastically long, meaning that, you know, it, it goes right into projects. Right, so exactly. It's two wonderful conversations with yeah. two very different beginnings. Yeah. Yes. But we've got a lot of great episodes coming up. Mimi Plum will be after Ron. And then Shakith, I think, will be after that. And then Wendy Redstar, although the order of those two could flip. Oh, no, Paul Graham. I'm sorry. Paul Graham is coming back on. So, <laughs> Yes. Paul hey, this, a, it's, yeah. it's a big lineup coming Yes, up. it's really exciting that Paul's coming back on. I'm thrilled to get yeah. the opportunity because when he was on last, we talked about the group show that he had curated for ICP. One this, of the best shows yep. I've seen in a while. Yep. Yep. And this time we, we're going to talk about his work. So that's a real thrill. Thank you, Paul. Um, anyway, so what were your thoughts on this episode? I loved it. I loved it. I, I knew very little about Alex Soth outside of the work. And it's inspiring to hear someone who is so well established, who has been so influential, speak about their own struggles with uncertainty and finding your voice and staying true to that voice. Which then you have this lovely conversation about the freedom you have to work before you're known and then dealing with those deadlines and those demands after you're known. It's a pretty wonderful conversation. Yeah, it was really, I thought Alec was super generous Mm -hmm. in terms of honesty and just his actual process. And this is a very process heavy um, episode, I think. Absolutely. Which makes me happy, of course. And he mm-hmm. was just warm and wonderful. And yeah, I love this episode. So I, I don't know if I have any announcements. Um, I take that back. I do. <laughs> this just in. Ooh, breaking this news. This just hot off the presses from the Bearsville folks. Um, so let me just throw out for anyone who's on the East Coast, um, some shows. May 19th, Circles Around the Sun with supporting act Michaela Davis. May 22nd, Sertzo Berger and Friends. May 26th, Bluegrass Supper with Two Blue Quartet. May 27th, Carla Bonoff. May 28th, 29th, Bearsville Bluegrass Festival. Oh, I'm definitely going to that. <laughs> May 29th, Bob Dylan Birthday Celebration. Fun. Yeah, nice lineup. So check that out. And May 28th and 29th. Bearsville Bluegrass Festival. I love Bluegrass Festival, so you might even see me here if you come over. Yeah, I love it, especially when it's live. Yeah. Okay, so thanks, Bearsville. And um, just so you all know, we're super dedicated to the podcast, and we're working really hard to to bring you guys the absolute best conversations we can, you know, the best guests. um, Or your money back. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Money back guarantee. Um, yes. So we are, we're working really hard. We're, we're feeling really committed. I mean, we're always really committed to the podcast, obviously. But the hiatus was really to sort of tighten things up more and, and double down on it in, in a lot of ways. I don't think we know how long we're going to continue doing it. But we do know that as long as we're doing it, we want it to be the absolute best it can. So yep. I hope it shows, and I hope all you listeners, fantastic, dedicated audience, are happy. I, I, you know, I just recently did another portfolio review, so I got to hear it's out in the world, and I got to hear from so many people how much they love the podcast and how much it means to them, mm. and and so that was really terrific. So to all you folks I met out in Portland, thank you for all the kind words about it. It's very moving to me, even if I look bashful and sort of awkward in the moment when you're giving me a compliment, <laughs> <laughs> and I say something stupid like, well, I say so many stupid things, it's hard to know. <laughs> What to choose from, but... What you're trying to say is you don't handle compliments that well. Well, but I hear it, and it's very meaningful. So thank you so much. Anyway, without further ado, let's get to Alex Soth, the man of the hour, and this fantastic episode. So Michael, if you don't mind, please take it away. My pleasure, and here is your conversation with Alex Soth. Alex Soth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for doing this with me. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. As you know, because we just talked about it, um, we start every podcast with the artist's journey. <laughs> so if you could, um, yeah, just tell us about yours, that would be awesome. Sure. I mean, uh, I'm talking to you from Minnesota, first of all, from St. Paul, Minnesota. And I was born and raised in Minnesota and have lived here my whole life but for college I went to Sarah Lawrence College where I went I went to study painting and sculpture and things like that and came out of it a photographer and yeah that's my story that's who I am photographer from Minnesota and why this regional identity I don't know I guess if you if you maintain a life outside of uh, you know New York Los Angeles inevitably you're regionalism becomes part of your identity, I guess. Is that good or bad? I, I mean, is, it's, neither, it's, neither good, it's neither good nor bad. I mean, I, I didn't intend it to be this way. <laughs> it's funny, after, after college, my girlfriend, later wife, and I talked about going to the Bay Area, and we always had that plan. And then, uh, you know, life got complicated, her mother got sick, blah, blah, blah. And we stayed here. But it was never, like, my plan to stay here. So... It's accrued over time, I guess. We sort of set this up on the occasion of your your new book, A Pound of Pictures, that Mac published a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. I've loved spending time with it. Thanks so much. You know, I said to you before we started recording, it's tricky with you because on one hand, we don't want to totally go backwards, but it's really hard to not talk about your sort of really seminal books that, that had such a huge influence on the fine art photography world. So I think it's worth just talking a little bit. Sure. About and, and I should say that A Pound of Pictures is, uh, you know, a healthy chunk of it is backward looking. It has a retrospective quality to it. So that's kind of embedded in the new work anyway. Okay. I don't know what that means, but um, we're going to get to that. Um <laughs> So, I mean, one thing, this is just a huge general question, and I'm sure it's going to make you uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I mean, Sleeping by the Mississippi and Niagara had such a huge influence on a generation, or I don't even know if it's two generations at this point. I'm never quite sure how a generation is I, determined, but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's had such a huge influence on, on photographers coming up after you. I'm, I know you know that, but do you think about it? How does that feel? I'm sh is it uncomfortable? Is it? Are you proud of that? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yes. My response, my whole body clenches up when you say that. Uh, yeah, is my sure. is my physical reaction. You know, I I mean, in this medium, as in every medium, there are waves of different influence, and mm -hmm. there are waves of photographers before me a generation or two or three or whatever, however we count those things and uh and they influence me and then i you know i might influence someone else etc cetera, etc cetera. and i yeah i was somewhat aware of that but i'm also aware of how it's moved on in many ways and and i hear much less of that you know from other you know photo professors or that sort of thing so um i don't know uh that's not it's definitely not my goal or, you know, that's not what it's about for me. You know, if someone really likes my work, that, that makes me happy, but I'm, I'm not trying to like shape the medium or anything like that. No, I'm, I'm sure you're not, but yet, and yet you have, I, I mean, I think it's really quite wonderful. And I, you know, I've personally, you know, really enjoyed being where I am in my life in this part of my career and, and seeing that happen. I mean, particularly because it's the type of work I really love. So, and I'm someone who doesn't believe that, you know, every artist needs to reinvent the wheel. I say this all the time. Well, and, and that's partly what I, why it makes me uncomfortable because I, I'm so aware of the tradition and and mm -hmm. and my work is really you know sadly not radical <laughs> in any sort of way so whatever i you know whatever i've achieved you know if i maybe i nudge something a little bit in that direction uh, i i tend to think of it analogous to music in some ways where it's like 
you know, I mean, uh, most musicians, they're not like rechanging all of music. They're like. Right. They're not John Cage. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like they're, they're, you know, they're an old country that maybe, you know, uses this kind of instrumentation. It's a slightly different than that band, you know, and it's just like it's it's these are modest little things. And they're, it's, they're not improvements. They're just differences. And, you know, I, I think an element of of my work and this is not new by any means, but one thing that I tried to pay attention to, I guess, was, you know, not just being a portrait photographer or not just being a landscape photographer. I really wanted to find ways to weave these different elements together. And plenty of people have done that in the past. And the photo book, which so much attention has been paid to the photo book in this period of my career, just by happenstance, but also because of the technology, I think made it a bit easier and what have you. So that that sort of vocabulary of different kinds of pictures combined with the photo book came together for certain kinds of authorship. Again, not new. And that's where I kind of situate myself, I guess. No, that's really wonderful. I'm, I love what you just said, because it's my it's really my philosophy. And it's what I'm always talking to artists about is this letting go of the idea of having to be radical to mm. having to come up with a new form. Because I think that a it's almost impossible. B, it, it can really take you towards sort of kitsch in a way. Mm-hmm. And and you really lose authenticity, and you can really lose your voice. You can really totally. screw yourself up with that. Well, um, I, you know, and I, so I tried to do that, first of all. You know, when, when I first came to photography, it's like, I want to create a new language, you know? And what happens if you create a new language is that no one else speaks it, and you're talking to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized over time that, no, I need to just speak the language. And... Maybe in speaking the language, in time, I will find, you know, a little bit of my own voice. And do it with excellence. Everyone has their own voice. And Mm -hmm. if you're able to really become an expert in your craft and really then figure out a way to communicate your deepest, most thoughts and feelings, that it will be unique. It may not be a new form, but it will be new. It will be something I haven't seen before. And I think this idea of it being like music is really true. I mean, I'm a big Chris Stapleton fan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not doing anything that other people haven't done. But for me right now, this is the guy that speaks to me that I really want to listen to. Absolutely. And yeah. I feel I'm learning from. And I could say that about a lot of artists as well who, again, are not creating a new form, but are saying things that are unique to their life experience mixed with whatever they're seeing out in the world, which of course is what this type of photography is, right? That amalgam of Alec and Alec meeting the world. (laughs) Um, I mean, you've talked a lot about sort of being a neurotic artist. And it's (laughs) funny because every time I hear you talk about that, I want to call you up and say, Thank God, because I, I always, I'm really, really, I don't like working with artists who aren't angsty, because really? I just, they generally, to me, don't work. It means they're not working hard enough. I don't know. I don't know about, I, I would disagree with you there. I want artists to d- double back and say, well, is it good enough? Can I work harder? I've had experiences with artists who are just too self-satisfied and then I'm sort of stuck being the one to tell them it's it's really half-baked. Mm-hmm. And the artists that I've worked with that are have that angst either know it's half-baked and so we can talk about that and how to make it better or they're they're just not even ready to present. Mm-hmm. They know, you know they I don't have to be like the grim reaper. You know <laughs> they 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 understand that and they're not in that crazy rush to right. to say, look what I've done, and isn't it fantastic? Mm-hmm. So it's a delicate balance, I guess, because y- you know we're talking about not creating a new language and all that, and and so for me, what I realized is I needed to let go in some ways and not force things, and 
I, I feel like my evolution as a photographer has been a relaxing <laughs> and letting go a little bit and, and relearning how to let go. So there's that. And I guess the flip side is not becoming too confident or too, yeah, too um, happy with oneself. <laughs> but neuroses kind of goes against that feeling of letting go. So it's a balance, I guess. I do know plenty of, you know, super confident photographers who I admire. Um, I mean, I guess it comes down to like, you know, everyone's different and you got to be authentically yourself in the end. And, and I am authentically neurotic. <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> I got that going for me. <laughs> I think that confidence, I think all these things can mix, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. I mean, I think you can be confident and also, I mean, I consider myself a very confident editor mm -hmm. of other artists' work. I always joke around that I think I'm the best editor in the world, <laughs> and it's, I'm only half kidding, or maybe I'm not kidding <laughs> right, right. at all. Yeah. But I take it so seriously that I never, nothing gets edited quickly, because I always know, for instance, that whatever mood I'm in is going to affect sure. an edit that I do. Mm -hmm. So I always edit things numerous times over time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not just in one space. Like, so there's all these sort of fail-safes built in. And, you know, there's a little bit of, you could say there's a little bit of angst or neuroses in that. But I guess it's just the way we define the term. But I'm more comfortable with that type of mm -hmm. rigor and, and second-guessing mm -hmm. and, and not being too self-satisfied yeah I guess yeah and like i said i think there's a balance because you know you go too far and then you can never make a decision too so it's, yeah no you yeah. can't be that yeah. person you and, yeah. and you, you yeah you can't become paralyzed right but, but yeah that's pretty far down um, yeah yeah but it's something i've thought about in terms of just like mental health you know because i i it, yes. it's a cliche to, th to think you know you, you you need to be um mentally ill to produce great work or what have you. But uh, for whatever reason, I found that this, if I'm extraordinarily content, <laughs> I don't make my best work. And if I'm really depressed, I, I don't, I can't do anything. So it's kind of this middle ground where I do best. Well, if you're too content, you're probably not as curious about your inner life. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And I just don't, I just don't have a great need to produce something out of that. Uh, yeah. You know, I can just like enjoy the view. I don't need to save the damn thing on film, you know? Well, it sort of <laughs> leads me to like something I wanted to talk about, which is going a little bit out of my chronology here. But yeah. there's there's been a lot of talk about A Pound of Pictures, your new book, being sort of inward looking, it mm -hmm. being almost having that meta quality being about photography and mm -hmm. your relationship to photography more than your previous work. And I get that from the viewer's perspective, but aren't all the pictures you or anyone makes about you all the time? I mean, at the end of the day, doesn't every picture tell us something about the artist, whether it's Sleeping by the Mississippi mm -hmm. or A Pound of Pictures? I mean, it's it is always has to be about you because you're making the choice to take the picture. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think some, you know, I think some people are more, it, it's more inward looking than others. Mm -hmm. And in my own case, I am a, I, I think of myself as a very inward looking photographer who can only make work if I go out into the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. and it's like it's finding some balance between those two things. So if I if I work in the, a studio situation, for example, I get so inward looking that it becomes self-indulgent. And mm -hmm. and if I'm just like if I'm trying to do documentary work that's good for the world and I'm out in the world, I it also rings uh, false for myself. I admire other people that do both of those things. I just, it's a mix of in and out, but it always starts inward. And, and mm -hmm. I would say that 
about every single project that I've done that's that I feel good about is it it started from looking looking inside myself yeah so one of the things that's been talked about a lot also in relation to a pound of pictures your new book for anyone who's who's sort of you know heard it discussed or read about it or whatever is that you had abandoned your original idea and mm-hmm. I'll let you talk about that and the, the question I'm going to have at the end of it and I'll ask it now is you know is there really any harm in a, abandoning a project because I always think of I'm always really pro just go for it and if it doesn't work who cares I mean like I feel like photographers are sort of more sensitive that way but you know, screenwriters and poets, et cetera, and a lot of other ar- artists, you know, start things all the time that don't go anywhere. It's just, just, I think, are more comfortable with knowing that that's part of the process. Yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's a tricky thing. I've, I've abandoned, yeah, multiple things over the years. I guess it's just, uh, it's just the further along you are with something, the, the, tri- yeah. the trickier it is. And, <laughs> yeah. And one one problem that I've encountered is that since I, I start from an inward looking place, if my state of being changes in the course of a project, I find it hard to continue with it in some ways, you know, if mm-hmm. I'm, I'm to stay like in the zone with it. That makes sense. Yeah. And setting aside the, the, the beginning part of A Pound of Pictures, which I changed, there, you know, there was the pandemic and mm-hmm. it was like this just radical shift in the world and to, to re-enter the making of that work after that was really challenging. And I, I eventually yeah. did get back into the flow, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's tricky. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's lots of different kinds of photographers too. So there's, there are people that just take pictures every every day. They carry their camera everywhere. They don't think in terms of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I am definitely the opposite of that. Right. I mean, I've barely taken a taken a picture in the last like half year. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and so I'm like a, a filmmaker. And then you mentioned screenwriter. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm shooting the film. And then production stops <laughs> for a year. Right. And mm-hmm. and then that, you know, the child actor is a year older, all sorts of, right. all sorts of problems. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, knowing how to change gears and also knowing how to listen to that little voice that's just saying, you know what, this is not, I don't want to see this to the end. I, want, I need to change things up. That's not easy to do still for me. For sure. Yeah. And and I'll tell you what's harder about it also is having a career. <laughs> because yes. when no one gives a shit, it's easier to change. But if you have, you know, a gallery waiting for pictures or a publisher, yeah, there's more pressure on it. Yeah, that's intense. I didn't actually think of that, but of course to deal with that. Yeah, and there's all sorts of upsides to having a career. But one of the things, you know, going back to sleeping by the Mississippi. You know, something I think about a lot was that I was in this special place where I had worked with my craft for long enough for a decade that I, you know, I knew the tools. I just started to find, you know, find my voice. And it was a mixture of like sort of confidence in in the art of what I'm doing, but naivete and, and sort of excitement. And... And then no one caring. And I just felt like, well, I can do whatever I want to do because no one cares. And all that came together. And then, you know, and then things changed. People were curious about what I was doing. So then I have outside eyeballs. And, you know, now two decades later, I'm like way more comfortable with my tools. And and that can be a problem almost, you know, where you know too much about what you're doing. And sort of recalibrating things, finding a place where you can still feel that, that sort of newness and freedom that I felt at that time. Um, not in the same way, but that's for me, a lot of a pound of pictures was trying to find that spot where I, I could let go and, you know, sort of feel, you know, alive and excited and not worried about what other people were thinking. 
I always sort of feel like the older we get, that that sort of happens more for us because we experience more grief and loss. Yeah. And it's just inevitable that the older you get, the more you experience real losses. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they can be extremely traumatic. And so when you go through those things, other things become less scary. Absolutely. Right? Like all of a sudden, doing a book that isn't as well received as a prior book is just less scary because you survived losing a loved one or, well, you know, something equivalent. And so, you know, it rewires you in totally. a way. Totally. And this was, this was fundamental to Sleeping by the Mississippi, by the way, which I don't, I don't think many people know this, but the book is, is dedicated to my mother-in-law. And, and I kind of mentioned that, you know, we, <laughs> we didn't move and stuff because it was my mother-in-law mm -hmm. was dying and uh, I was extremely close to her. And, mm -hmm. and what happened was I, I had won this grant and it gave me the opportunity to leave my job for three months and, and work on this project. And this happened and she started dying at that exact moment. And so I wasn't able to go on my trip. And then, you know, five weeks later she died and, and then I did travel after that. And mm -hmm. I felt so like powerful, like I didn't. Nothing mattered. <laughs> right. Yep. And yeah. And that that was essential to the making of that work as well. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, totally understand that um, from my own experience. Mm -hmm. I had people ask me a lot or say to me, you don't seem to be scared of, you know, failing. Like you're always trying new things, mm -hmm. or, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and sort of publicly indifferent. Uh -huh. It's like I'm not because I've lived through really awful things happening. And, it, and it's not that, you know, you want that, but it does free you up. You're like, oh, the worst thing happened to me. Right. And I survived. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, you know, doing a podcast and asking everyone to listen to it doesn't seem that yeah. scary. Right. Like if everyone's like, this sucks, it's like, ah, eh, whatever, I'll survive. Absolutely. Um, million other examples of mm -hmm. that. But a um, couple questions then keeping with Sleeping by the Mississippi in relation to Niagara. Did you feel, I have some really specific questions, but mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a more general one too. Did, did you feel pressure after sleeping by the Mississippi then because it was such a huge thing when you went, went to do Niagara? Uh, yes, I did. Because, I mean, as I mentioned, like no one cared before. And then I, and not only that, you know, I changed galleries at that time. Mm -hmm. And, and I was navigating this art world and some money gets involved. Right. And yeah, I absolutely felt pressure. And it was the, you know, it was the sophomore, the classic sophomore project. And I'll never forget this, this one particular day I'm photographing at Niagara Falls and it's winter. And I got a call from my, uh, my gallerist in Minneapolis and I'm out there, you know, with the camera, you know, on the phone. And I'm like, this is not smart. <laughs> this is not the mm -hmm. way to work. Uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, absolutely, things changed, and I have to say that once once Niagara was finished, then I started I I started to relax a little bit <laughs> from that, and things died down also. But uh, I, I sort of like once I survived the sophomore project. Yeah. So just a sort of in the weeds question. Mm -hmm. There are really considerably less sort of of those classic Alex Soth sleeping by the Mississippi interior shots in Niagara. Mm. What was the thinking there? I mean, and this may be a silly question, but I was just sort of curious because I think a lot of other artists would have thought this is something that people now connect me with mm. and so I'm going to do it again. Uh, and you don't. Oh, that's that's interesting. I uh, In my own mind... Niagara is very similar to Sleeping by the Mississippi in, in part because it's like a body of water using this metaphorical place. But but I'm also aware of how different the making of them was not. So, you know, we were just talking about the way my career changed and how that affected me. But but just the actual the, the experience of like driving, across, you know, 
down the river versus going to this tiny little place, which is quite bleak at times. And it's a small area. So I, so the two experiences were very different emotionally making the work. And with Sleeping by the Mississippi, I, I had this desire to kind of wander into people's houses. And I always felt like it was related to that death experience too, where I, and it sounds corny, but I just felt like everything I wanted to do worked. I could just like mm-hmm. knock on a random stranger's door and they would invite me inside. And whereas Niagara was just like, I had so many problems, uh, you know, people calling the police on me, yelling at me. And so, yeah, the goal to like get inside in that way was, it just wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's different. And then they were just like structurally different. Niagara, I, I kind of built it on this idea of kind of German typology, but then woven together. So these like buildings, the falls, these nude portraits, these letters, and then weaving these elements together. And, and interiors just wasn't one of those elements. One thing that's really struck me is when I was reading a lot about Niagara is how many people sort of thought of it as being quite melancholy. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I feel, and I'm I'm I can cry at anything, and I, <laughs> you know, always say this, but it's true. I'm just a very emotional person, and but. I don't know that I feel that way about Niagara. It, it, it's not that it's upbeat, <laughs> but right. I don't know that I read in necessarily, oh, all these people are sad mm. or all the, I, I don't know. I just don't, I, I feel we're all sad and we're all happy and we're all complicated and mm-hmm. life is ups and downs. And I don't know. How do you think about it in that, in that way? Uh, Do you think of it as a very melancholy book? Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's a funny question because I, um, you know, sad pictures, melancholy pictures, I it, like that, that label is attached to everything I do. Mm-hmm. And it, it sometimes bums me out a little bit because there's a lot of humor, I mm-hmm. I think, in what I do. And it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't always come across. The thing, I'm with you. For me... Where I really feel this is with Sleeping by the Mississippi, because it was just joyous, the making of it. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the pictures, I remember that. And I understand people not feeling it, but that was so much my experience. Niagara was often this very dark and an almost hostile experience. And I intentionally edited a lot of that out, actually. Uh-huh. So I recently, it's worth mentioning that I, I mean, I just uh, a week ago released this new compilation book called Gathered Leaves Annotated, which is, yep. um, yeah. And no, no, please, please say more to people. Sure. Just because yeah. I know what it is doesn't yeah. mean that they will. No, no, I, it's, it's, it's complicated. I don't think most people do. So I think it was in 2015 or so I had a, a survey-ish exhibition in London that consisted of my four major long-term uh, American projects under the the banner of this title, Gathered Leaves. And that work has been touring around Europe ever since. And now we, we just updated it with a pound of pictures because it fits in the same mold. Right. And with that original uh, Gathered Leaves production, we, we made this object, which was a box with these four miniature books inside. For this new publication, I have two of them. Oh, oh. I got I got greedy. I got oh, wow, two. that's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so this new version of of Gathered Leaves is Gathered Leaves Annotated. So it's all five books printed on newsprint. So it's seven hundred pages, but relatively thin uh, because mm-hmm. of the paper. And then on top of every page, virtually, I'm writing notes to the pictures, or sometimes showing other photographs that were edited out, et cetera. So it's like, uh, it's like the DVD extras of these books. And in Niagara in particular, I show some of this really dark <laughs> subject matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's how I think of that work. And then how people read it is something else. And, mm-hmm. you know, something I feel strongly about is that I make work that 
is open, uh, that I feel fine having open for interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, lots mm -hmm. of people think my, I'm doing like serious documentary work. Uh, that's mm -hmm. not how I think of it, but mm -hmm. if you do, that's cool, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, unless it's like really antithetical to what I'm aiming for. But, uh, you know, and I experience this a lot uh, when I show the work overseas, you know, and it's seen as a commentary on America or like Donald Trump is attached to things. And, you know, it's like, no, that's not that's not how I thought of it. But, uh, you know, I can see how you read it that way. That's cool. Um, I mean, I know that your relationship to the viewer is is pretty nuanced and more nuanced than a lot of other people because yes to what you just said in terms of just the pictures themselves and and, and leaving a lot of ambiguity within the picture mm -hmm. but then there's that sort of hedge with all the notes mm. right yeah totally so <laughs> yeah can, can you talk about that a little bit yeah i i mean first of all you know so the this this idea of notes and maybe even like young people don't even know what DVD extras are. That's something to think about. But <laughs> well, they don't know what the TV show The Odd Couple is. Because yeah, exactly. I've tried those references. Exactly. And it doesn't work. So, uh, but yeah. Don't, so don't say Felix and Oscar to anyone <laughs> under the age of twenty-five. Uh, but yeah, so in a number of my books, uh, including a pound of pictures. In the back of the book, I'll have notes to some of the photographs, selected little uh, nuggets of information. I, you know, someday I want to do some sort of poll on this or some sort of inquiry to find out what percentage of people read those things. I, I would guess it's in the 5% range. Uh, so it's not essential to the work. It's essential to my process, but it, it's kind of like a... A scholar who's writing a paper and has footnotes, those footnotes are for other people doing research on the same subject. They're not for mm -hmm. the general reader. And, and that's the way I think of this material. And it's, a, and it's also for me. And th this new book, This Gathered Leaves Annotated, it's not for everyone. It's like, it's, it is more of an object and it's for people that are really into this stuff, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, it's funny, this, this topic of DVD extras, uh, is, I got to thinking about it recently. So it turns out that, you know, and for our younger uh, listeners, I'll, I'll say that, you know, there's a period of time where movies were on DVDs <laughs> and, and then you would have extra material added and you could watch, you could listen to a commentary track by the director as the movie's playing or, uh, little featurettes about the movie. And it turns out that jillions of filmmakers were, this was like film school for them and hugely affected mm -hmm. the work they made. I like I like that idea that I, that there's this supplementary stuff that's there for people that are just really into it. Well, I love that idea. And as an ex recovering, still recovering filmmaker, oh, God. Um, I can concur <laughs> that that's actually the case. And I mean, I had the freakish experience of a few years ago, a friend of mine gave me a DVD compilation of award winning short films. And one of my films was on it. And it had an interview with me playing over the film. Wow. That I have no memory of doing. Mm -hmm. And so I watched my film and I listened to myself and it was like listening to a complete strain. I mean, I, I was like, because everything I was saying was new to me. <laughs> right, right. And so I actually was really learning a lot about the making of my own film mm -hmm. from me. I mean, th this is really a sort of... In some ways, you'll appreciate, I think, this this thought that there's something so particularly wrapped up in Buddhism and this idea, but, you know, we're always, we're never the same, right? So totally listening to myself and feeling that was a different person and then yet learning from that person was really trippy. But anyway, yes to DVD extras. They were amazing. <laughs> and I, and I, I love all that stuff. It's funny, I actually would say that the percentage of people who are reading those, your notes is much higher. And yeah. no knock on um, curatorial writing, but I actually think that people read the curatorial writing less. I just know from 
even my your s- notes are really fun oh, also dang. by the way so like they're not dry and yeah i i can't relate to that five percent concept at all <laughs> well, i think your I, notes I, are so i, I could so be fantastic wrong. i don't know and what you said about uh listening to yourself makes me think of, i recently had this um this woman here from the Netherlands who was writing a dissertation about my work. And so she was, she was here for a week and doing like really pretty intensive reading and interviewing of me. And she would, you know, so she'd interview me and I'd say something and she's like, wait a second, you know, in, uh, 2008, <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> you know, like, and it'll be some like anecdote about it, some picture I took or something. And it's like, I've completely altered the story, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> over time. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. We are, yeah. we are not the same. And our memories no. are just like reprocessing everything. Yeah. yeah. And what we think about things. I mean, yeah. I, as someone who was obsessed with Emerson when I was mm. in college and for many years after, I still, you know, I'll just say to those of you who don't know this, this is sort of a famous Emerson quote, but, you know, foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. So it's like every time someone says to me, but wait a second. <laughs> yeah. A few years ago, you said, well, I, I just, you know, take out Emerson and, and, and say Absolutely. foolish consistency is the hobgoblin <laughs> of little minds. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a sort of really big overarching question, mm. but I like to ask this to people who have been doing it for a while. Has this been a satisfying life for you, life of a, <laughs> a photographic artist? Oh, man. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Incredible. And I don't, I don't have regrets, but it's what comes to mind is... It, if you'll indulge me, is that so? Last yeah. La- oh. Last week I was in Berlin and I was there with my daughter, who's nineteen, and she's actually still there right now. And we were talking about you know life choices one makes, and and I was you know kind of I was saying that like yeah, if I was nineteen years old and I could move to Berlin and be with a bunch of young people and party and have fun and you know i would do you know that sounds amazing to me and i was talking about how my path wasn't that and i you know returned from college back to minnesota and Mm -hmm. didn't have friends and burrowed into my work and but out of that you know i now have this pretty magical life and that's the thing about not having regrets right you just sort of take the path that you take and mm-hmm. no i have an unbelievable life i'm i mean it's so absurdly lucky you know that damn privilege word you know but it's so obvious <laughs> that i'm like just drowning in privilege um so there's that too does it feel like the things that you've wanted to say thus far you've you've been able to say the things you've wanted to communicate about mm yourself and yourself in the world you've done? Hmm, good question. The reason I'm, I'm pausing for your question is that I don't know if it's about me having a thing to say. You know, it's, um, you know, the process is what it's about. It mm-hmm. fundamentally and immersing myself in the process and as a byproduct of that, I get to, I get to say things, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not, yeah, I I just don't have like a manifesto, you know, that I'm trying Mm -hmm. to get out there, but I like, I've gotten so many opportunities to immerse myself in the process and presumably I'll get to continue doing that. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Before we go, I do want to ask you about your next well, I don't know if it's your mm-hmm. next project, but you do have a project coming up with Aperture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what's what's that about? Yeah, well, I mean, just in talking about next projects and all that, I mean, one of the ways that I've set up my career is t- to work on these large-scale projects. And then in between them or sometimes during them, I'll do little ex- experiments or mm-hmm. little commissions, little challenges. I've 
I do, you know, done some performances, really crazy stuff. And mm-hmm. Aperture, <laughs> Aperture Magazine uh, asked me to guest edit an issue. And and I thought, wow, that's an honor. That's cool. And, mm-hmm. and what am I going to do? And then suddenly, you know, right after they asked me this, I was like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Because, <laughs> uh, because God, I feel that way all the time after I say yes to something. Yeah. But also it's like, okay, so this white Midwestern guy <laughs> wants to edit an issue. Like, is this what we need in the world? Uh, or, you know, and what am I going to do? Uh, the Minnesota, mm-hmm. the Minnesota issue. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I, I, I realized, well, this is a challenge to like, come up with a theme that's uh, you know somehow connected to my work but really open-ended and I chose this theme of sleepwalking (laughs) and and of course that could that could mean dreaming uh it was just sort of a a different way of saying something that was about stream of consciousness and that would also go where it wanted to go as an issue Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity for me to share some things that I loved, but also have the editors that I was working with introduce me to artists and writers mm-hmm. that, that I wasn't familiar with and not have the issue be overdetermined. Because <laughs> that's yep. that is my goal as a photographer, too, is to not know exactly what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, so that that was really fun. And. And I think there's going to be some juicy new discoveries for, I know there will be for people, even if they're super photo insiders, because I, I certainly didn't know a couple of these things. So it's going oh, to be wow. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Great. And that comes out probably very soon. Yes, yeah, summer. Oh, summer. Okay. Where, uh, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. June or July, probably yeah. June. And I have um, to say, you know, I mean... This isn't about pimping aperture, but pimp, pimp away. No, I mean I've been saying this for years now. The quality of the magazine is ridiculous. Yeah, it's is amazing. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's like it's it's so full of material plus well printed, and uh, yeah. it just like I can't kind of can't believe it, how good it is. And yeah, and in this day, you know, day and age when like magazines aren't so necessary because of the internet. It does sort of stand out that way. It's, it's oh, yeah. Cool. No, they're really beautiful. I mean, I think they're real collector's items. Oh, my God. And, you know, you yeah. put them on your, your shelf with your books. and Absolutely. Mine are. Absolutely. Well, Alec, thank you so much for spending time with me today, putting up with the crazy construction that was periodically <laughs> going on around me. And, yep, just for hanging out and sharing your thoughts. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, went, that went by in like five minutes. Yeah, that's 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 always a good sign. Um, And I feel the same way. So thank you. Be well. Take care of yourself. Don't get too complacent. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That was COVID related. Um, (laughs) And we'll talk again. Very good. Thanks so much. Okay. All right. Thanks, Alec. Bye bye. Bye. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The associate producer is Taylor Selsback, and the executive producer is Sasha Wolf. Our theme music is by J. Walter Hawks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and rate us with all the stars available on your listening platform. <laughs>